This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Larry Wilmore. You're listening to Black on the Air. It's good to be back. Missed uh, last week. I was pretty busy last weekend. It's the launch of my new show, um, Peacock, and called Wilmore. So much fun, guys. I'm having a blast. You guys, download Peacock. If you are listening to my podcast, I need your support out there. Tell your friends. Tell them about my show. And watch the show. And I hope you enjoy it, too. It, uh, I'm really proud of it. And it's different from what I'm doing on my podcast, which is nice. You know, it's, you know, it has some overlap where I get to... I feel like I'm talking to the audience directly. You know, the interviews are kind of short and that can be frustrating, but it really is a lot of fun. We do a thing at the end, if you haven't seen it, called Lightning Round, where we have a lot of fun. We had Roy Wood on from The Daily Show this past week. He was hilarious. So I'm going to continue to do that. And it drops every Friday night on Peacock at nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific is when it's first available, but you can watch it anytime. Some people have a little coffee in the morning. Watch a little Wilmore and Amber Ruffin, by the way, too. Amber Ruffin has a new late night show. Her started last night. She's amazing. She did a great job. So funny. So, you know, wake up in your Saturday mornings, have a little Amber and Larry with the coffee. You know, sounds good, guys. We got some good guests uh, coming up on the show and uh, some really good topics. I'll tell you, here's what I'm trying to do in my TV show. We only have a certain amount of time. We've got like 11 shows in 10 weeks, I think. <laughs> Something like that. It's crazy. And, um, I'm definitely going to comment on the election, of course. That's the amount of time. But also, we're trying to comment on what's happening out in the culture. So we're trying to do both things, you know, within the episode. And many times what we'll do is we'll just take a topic and just do that episode about it. Like last week was voter suppression and voter depression. Talked about those two. This episode, this week, we're going to talk about police and what's going on with the relationship between police and black community, which is a tough issue, you know. And of course, we're not going to be able to cover it in depth, but you know, we'll try to do at least from an interesting angle and see what we can do in it and that type of thing. But each week we want to have kind of a different topic and sometimes it'll change depending on what's going on in the news. But you know, we're trying to pay attention to what's going on in the world and and have you guys get not just my perspective, but you know, some of the guests, some of the people that are out there. So that's what we're trying to do. Having fun, having a good time. And I appreciate all the support you guys have given me. It means so much. You have to know that. People have watched the show and enjoyed it and tweeted about it, Facebooked about it, <laughs> Instagram about it, TikTok about it, whatever. Uh, means a lot. So the more people watch it, you know, just the better it means. And who knows? Maybe we'll keep doing this afterwards. Uh, we'll see. Like I said, this week on my podcast, I have Bakari Sellers speaking to today. I spoke to him this morning. A little while ago. Bakari is great. You've seen him on CNN. He's so great. And by the way, if you have not, he was on Bill Maher last night, or I should say Friday night, depending on where you're listening to this, you should catch that. It was really, he really mixed it up with the, I think Coleman Hughes is his name. He's a a young journalist. Comes from a, a different point of view. And I thought it was good that you have black people on a show who, you know, are coming at the same issue from different angles, you know, to show that we're not all monolithic. We don't all think the same. You know, we can be smart and have a respectful conversation and disagree or, you know, have slight disagreements or big disagreements, whatever. But uh, be sure to catch that. Uh, Bakari was great. And, you know, the big thing this week. Well, one of the big things, man, so many things happens, you guys. It happens so fast to, you know, the Breonna Taylor decision or non-decision, as you might say, from the boxing world was frustrating for a lot of people this week. People poured out into the streets. And I'll talk about that with Bakari on, uh, coming up. So I'll cover that with him. And there's so much to cover on that. We just kind of touched the surface on it. 
And a lot of people are frustrated out there, rightly so. It's a tough issue. Man, I have to tell you, I feel so bad for that family, though. When you lose a daughter and that type of thing, it's just horrible. But that the thing about the Breonna Taylor case, I will say this. It's almost emblematic of this quixotic problem, <laughs> you know, that the black community has with the police. It's fraught with so many traps and holes and procedure and these types of things. Many times they're not clear cut. And unfortunately, many times the procedures, the laws, the rules, the ordinances are just not on the side of the people who were harmed, you know, and that seems to be the case in this. And so when we're seeking or looking for justice, it's frustrating because many times the laws themselves aren't just. So you can't get justice within the existing laws. So how do you get justice? You know, you can try to change the laws. But it still doesn't feel good for the people who lost somebody. So that's a tough one. The other thing going on this week, Trump, of course, announced his Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. A lot of uh, people on the left are very upset about this. How dare the Republicans be hypocrites? And they're right. How dare them? But the Republicans say, fuck you. Of course we dare. We're in power. And they're right. They're right. That's the thing. It's so frustrating. I know when you're a Democrat, you're on the left. That, that Mitch McConnell's such a fucking asshole. He's such a fucking asshole, you guys. But he he doesn't care. He doesn't care that we think he's an asshole. He plays the long game. And I talk about this. Please watch my show from last night on Peacock. Uh, my opening's all about this. This motherfucker does not care about your feelings. He doesn't. He wants to nominate judges and nominate judges he has. The dereliction of duty that that Senate had when Obama was president and blocking all those judicial candidates. And we're not just talking about the Supreme Court. We're talking about the lower courts, the circuit courts, all the appellate courts. I mean, it's crazy the court packing that they did and did it improperly as far as I'm concerned, and didn't give a fuck at all. And these are ramifications. The problem with these type of ramifications, you know, with with this pick, you're going to have a six to three conservative court. These ramifications, guys, they're going to last for decades, decades with all these judges. It's, uh, It's just overwhelming. And it's so frustrating because, and this is the thing I talked about last night, is sometimes in elections, I feel like Democrats, sometimes we just focus on the things that aren't going to get us over the finish line. So many little things, we get distracted. And I feel like people on the right, I'll say conservatives, I won't say Republicans, but there are so many conservatives where judges has just been their issue for so long. And they're not fucking kidding around, you guys. And the issue really is abortion. It's other issues, but it really is abortion. I mean, it's the cultural left, as they call it in general, but it is abortion. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves. You know, since Roe v. Wade went down, they have not been kidding around. <laughs> they, have been, uh, they have been waiting and waiting and waiting to try to get this type of majority in the courts, and it's, it's happening. And when I think about all the discussions about Hillary in the last election, oh, you know, they're kind of the same, you know, doesn't matter. What's the difference between Trump and Hillary? Well, the difference is a six to three fucking court is that Hillary would have had those court picks over the last few years. You know, you wouldn't have Kavanaugh. You wouldn't have Gorsuch. You know, you wouldn't have this pick. You wouldn't be gutting Roe v. Wade. You wouldn't be ruining all the advances that women have had in just controlling their own fucking bodies over the past 40 years that, you know, this court is not going to care back and is going to roll back. And some of those ramifications just don't have to do with abortion and ability to make that decision. They have to do with just basic fucking medical care for women, especially women of color, without means, you know, without the ability to pay for services and who get caught in this ridiculous bureaucratic hole where people just go unserved. They just go unserved in a way that is criminal in our society. And because people are against one issue, they just don't give a fuck about this other shit. So we'll see. I'm probably being a little more negative than I normally am Saturday morning. You know, so we'll see. So that's just me saying, guys, we got to get out and vote. We got to get this motherfucker out of the White House. He got to go. So that's what I'm going to be talking about over the next 
over the next few weeks. And so guys, so here's the deal. So my pod, I'm moving to Saturdays. I want people to expect getting it on Saturdays. You know, I can kind of look at the week in a different way, which is kind of nice. My guests have been real nice, been able to get people on Saturdays. (laughs) Bakari, who was with his family, it's so great. You could hear his dog and his kids and stuff in the background. He was great. So let's do this on Saturday mornings. You know, we'll just talk about the week and that kind of thing. But stick around. Um, Right after this, we got a really good conversation with Bakari Sellers. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, welcome back. Very happy to have uh, this next guest. Uh, actually, was kind enough to help me kind of practice my new show, you guys. Really nice guy, but also one of the best voices to hear out in the wilderness these days. You've seen him as a CNN contributor. Uh, he has his own podcast, by the way, so don't miss the Bakari Sellers podcast. But he's also the author of My Vanishing Country, Bakari Sellers. Welcome to Black so, on the Air. Thank you so much for having me. It's an awesome experience to be on your show. I, I've done uh, two Larry Wilmore shows in like I know. seven, ten days. That has to be a what? record. I appreciate What's it. What's up with that? I know. It's like, <laughs> how come I haven't had Bakari on a long time ago? You know, but I, I know how busy you are, and you've got your fingers on a lot of things right now, which is, which is cool. We need voices like you, uh, out there. I was, uh, well, so we're recording this on a Saturday mornings. Now I kind of, now that I'm doing my show, I'm moving to that. And, and I happened to catch you on Bill Maher last night. I thought you did a great job as you always do. Yeah. You know, we were talking about how Bill is, he could be very divisive, but I have to give him credit for last night because he's, you know, he devoted a lot of that time to, to black issues out there, you know, and it was and, even with, even with Belushi, um, they had a conversation yeah. about the war on drugs, but having yeah. myself and, and Coleman, 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 uh, Coleman Hughes is a, yeah. I didn't know he, he's only 24 years old. Um, oh, he's a brilliant guy at the Manhattan Institute. Yeah. Uh, he just comes from a different perspective on the issues of race. Sure. And I tell people all the time, you know, black folk, we're not all monolithic, right? That's we, right. we all think differently. Um, I do think when he, when he, when he gets, and I don't, I don't want to sound condescending, but I do think mm. that when, when life experiences sometimes catch up to you, yes. uh, some of those, some of those views will mature and change. Certainly. Yeah. I know you're talking about them, but the expression I say is like, well, you're a researcher, but I'm a witness. So we have kind of a different, <laughs> different, different yeah. perspective on this. It's like, I yeah, appreciate it. It's, I, it's, yeah, it's like, ahead. it's like someone talking to you. They're like, yeah, you know, 
you know, racism is not really a thing. It's all in our head. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm you know, that that okay. Tell me what that data says, and I'm gonna tell you that here I am. Uh, my wife mm-hmm. almost died last year giving birth to twins. She's a black yeah. woman, and we know no, that I'm black women are three to three to four times more likely to die during childbirth. So, right. like, tell me again how what your statistics say. You're a researcher, and I'm a witness, right? Yeah. So. So, uh, it, but it was a it was a good healthy dialogue, and people are having these discussions yeah. uh, about race, and they're having them more yeah. and more in the open. So, you know, it and, is what and it I is. think it's great that it's nuanced, and I agree with you uh, because many it's easy to dismiss black people as monolithic, and we have the same views. And it's not just uh, Coleman being young; there are many older blacks that have a different perspective because they've been through a whole lot too that has been right. different, right? I mean, you, you know, got. I mean, it's that you you. You have an entire generation. I was yeah. supporting. I was supporting Kamala Harris, and I was like, you know, everybody's yeah. not going to be with Joe Biden. And then my mama and all her friends were like, Nah, we we with Joe. We yeah. we appreciate this. We know how hard we have a trust. Absolutely, there. We know how hard these rights were to win. We're not going to risk it on an unknown quantity. So Th- that's here right. We, here we are. But you're you're right, and and having you back and having your show back actually adds. It's a great deal of value, especially. I mean, it's the perfect time for yeah, your voice thanks, because I mean, we just. We have to have more black people being unapologetic yeah. and speaking their truth. Definitely. I remember writing um, an article about Ali when he passed away. It was for Time Magazine, actually. And I talked about his unapologetic blackness and what it meant to me as a kid, you know, to hear unapologetic blackness from somebody when that never occurred in the media at that time, to me, it was one of the most powerful things about Ali as a public entity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because he's a sport, he was a sports figure, you know, and uh, I'll never forget. That is the biggest effect that man had on my life, you know. Besides, God, I'm getting emotional now because I'm thinking of how much that meant to me, Bakari. Because Bakari, there was people don't understand. There was a dearth of that in the media, yeah. you know, people being able to embrace blackness. And I liked what you said last night. You were making a point. It kind of got talked over when they were talking about colorblindness oh, and. Yeah. Yeah, in the abstract, all of that stuff is great in the abstract. But in the real world, you know, blackness is a quantity that needs to be valued because it's been. And (laughs) the reason why. Yeah, because (laughs) and the reason why is because it's been devalued. We're not at the point where we can have that that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, niggas. It has mattered for so long, right? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the, that, yes. that was that that's that was my point. And I was like, colorblindness is bullshit. It's like a cop out. Right, it's like right, I don't right. see rays. What? What are you talking what? about? I'm right. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. You start waving at people. Right? <laughs> but now, and Bill, Bill is uh, Bill's unique. And, yeah. I, you know, as we were talking about earlier, people watch Bill to either hate him or they watch him because they yeah, love yeah. him. Yeah, they like and, to take uh, sides. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's a it's a good show. And I think that you probably have a good bit of viewers like that, too, who either oh, just completely. love you, love you or, or hate you. I don't know anybody lukewarm about Larry. Eh, but he's it's all a, right. He's so It's so. okay. And by the way, <laughs> when I did the correspondence dinner, a lot of black people did not like the fact that I said my nigga to Obama, you know, especially the older generation. I remember that. I, you, the older generation I was not having that, you know. But the younger generation was like, that is the blackest thing I've ever seen because... They understood I was having a private moment with them because let's be honest, Bakari, if we're in the barbershop and Obama's in there and somebody said, my nigga, nobody would have a problem with that. You know, because Barack would be like, what's up, my nigga? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly. (laughs) I just decided to do it in front of white people. That was the issue. And they were hella uncomfortable. I remember that. Exactly. No, I remember that. You did make one. Didn't you make a joke about uh, about Wolf? I think we see it. I know it was kind of unfortunate. I know. <laughs> it's unfortunate because it, it was I was trying to make a sarcastic joke, but it, it just didn't come out right. It didn't land though. It was it no, it didn't land. And I don't I like Wolf. He's a good guy. You know, I didn't mean that. You know, it's too bad that they they actually hate me for that. Which uh, is, you can't go after Wolf. He's like he's our he Wolf is actually the nicest. I actually laughed he at, is. And, and Wolf laughed at it, too. Uh, you know, no, he, Wolf is but a he's the nicest guy. person. Yeah, he's a nice. I should person. send him a note because I hate that that thing is out there because he really is he does a yeoman job you know he's, he's a great guy <laughs> you should give him come, you should invite him, you should invite him to come on your show i don't know do you what think he would I don't, I don't think he would i don't think he would either but you should invite him at least that would at least yeah. start the conversation i should start the conversation because he is i i hate that the sarcastic way i meant that joke got lost 
and it just tumbled. And here's what happened, because it happens in real time. Bakari. How do you prepare for how do, how do you? So let's back up. How do you prepare? I just had Steve Harvey on my show yeah. recently, and I said, Steve, do you miss stand-up? And yeah. and although you were, it was a roasting, hosting thing, it was still, you still yeah, had yeah, the yeah, elements yeah. of stand-up. Right, and right, Steve right. said, I miss the audience laughing. Yeah. And, but I don't, he's like, I don't miss the two hours before almost being about to throw up, nervous, yeah. going through that in my head. How do you? How do you prepare for that moment, man? You were, it was such an amazing moment for you to be in, and you were so good it's at it. It's tough because, you know, it's not a normal type of audience, so you kind of have to choose what approach you're going to do. And I chose to do it as a roast, but I guess people weren't prepared for a roast, you know? And in a roast, you kind of— Roast kinda, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you kind of—and and I made sure that I got everybody, not just I'm up there, like, roasting Fox News or that type of thing, you know, and— so, you know, who knows? You don't have a chance to really try out. So some of it didn't land, of course, but that's fine. As a comedian, you don't care about that. You know, you hope that some big ones do land. But I always felt bad about the Wolf thing. And I've never really I'm talked sorry, about I this. Mean, I, you, no, you I never talked about it because Wolf's not a bad guy. And I, and I, the way the joke came out. What did you call it, You called him a drone, I think, right? I'm trying I said, to remember. Speaking of drones. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was almost I was almost I, drunk at almost drunk when you were up there. I was on the verge of. So I was like, let me remember. I know. And and the thing is, I remember the room turned to me a little bit before that, but that really turned the room and I never got them back. I got some no, laughs here and there. You didn't get the room, but you that, that we had this discussion. I believe me and yeah. Don Lemon had this discussion. We were like, yeah. he didn't get the room, but Everybody who watched that thing loved yeah, it. Yeah, different. Yeah, it, it was, was different. totally different. Yeah. yeah. People told me, uh, and I disagreed with them. They were like, yeah, I like what you said about Wolf. And I, I was like, guys, but I didn't mean it like that. You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't dislike Wolf. He's a good reporter. I was being sarcastic. I wanted to make a point about follow-up questions because we were having a discussion about that. But anyhow, it's one of those things that gets lost in the roasting of people, you know. And uh, even with Obama, you know, what I said, the drones line, the line that you're talking about was that he and Steph Curry had a lot of things in common. They like to, you know, oh, drop I, bombs and, from and, far outside. Far, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Obama kind of looked like, ooh. And I was like, yeah. what? Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> they, do, they don't call you a drone president for no reason. You yeah. do know they talk about you behind your back, don't you, bro? I know. But, but you run the risk. Look, part of that, like when you tell me that CNN hates me, like that doesn't hurt my feelings. That's it's, fine. It's a, and I'm because being overgeneral. I'm being overgeneralized, but I am saying that you know, it, 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 it's, you should it's call part of the process. Yeah. I should. You're absolutely right about that because he is a he's a he's a really a great man, and so I do not mean that. But I remember talking to Don Lemon afterwards, and Don was a great sport about it. By the way, oh, Don, yeah. Yeah, because he flipped me off and everything, and it was fun the back and forth, you know. Because yeah, you don't mean those things and that type of thing. But anyhow, I digress. Uh, <laughs> I did want to get your take being a member of the media and covering this stuff in detail. What, what were your thoughts on this Brianna uh, Taylor decision this week? Did you have any? Yeah, I mean, any Dan- observations Daniel, Daniel Cameron is a coward. And one of the unique the things. Attorney General. The Attorney Kentucky. General of Kentucky. One of the yeah. unique things that he gave away, and I'm not sure he meant to give it away when he was speaking, was that he said that he made the decision that these officers did not commit the crime of murder or manslaughter. Mm-hmm. That was not a decision for him to make. And so when he went to the mm-hmm. grand jury, he didn't even he didn't even give the grand jury the option to come back with charges for mm-hmm. uh, murder or manslaughter. Um, and so he made that decision himself. I mean, there were 12 so witnesses. That was, so that was a unilateral decision. That was a unilateral decision. Um, he, it's not as if the... It's not as if the uh, it's not as if the um, grand jury came back with a no bill. That mm-hmm. was a unilateral decision on, on his part. Mm-hmm. Um, and he rested the case. It was there. There two. And I, as a lawyer, pardon me for getting too much in the weeds. No, this here, is but, great because I'm. I am two, not. <laughs> there are two. There are two um, inconsistencies with with what lies. I, I hate when people sugarcoat it, but there are two mm-hmm. lies that Cameron told, which are concerning. The the first is that the police shouted out police. Um, okay. And said it wasn't a no-knock warrant. They had 12 witnesses. Only one witness says that they heard the police mm-hmm. say, police, like, we're here. Um, sure. They interviewed her three times, though, before she said that. Yeah. That one witness. That's enough indecisiveness to put it before a jury. That's mm-hmm. enough to bring back charges, right? So that's And first. I'm confused, Bakari. Was it 
I heard it was a no-knock warrant, but then they also announced themselves. I'm confused at so that. What, so what, or am I what, getting that wrong? You are. So what they're saying, what Daniel Cameron is saying, is that it was not a no-knock warrant. It was not had, a no-knock because warrant. they announced themselves. Wait, um, so that means after the fact, or like what was the actual warrant that they were issued? That's what so I want to know. It, so a no-knock warrant is a tactic that's used, right? When okay. when you are when you are serving a warrant. And mm-hmm. so it should be banned regardless. But basically what happens is um, you literally don't knock. Like you just show up mm-hmm. at four o'clock in the morning, you hit them with the ram, whatever, you go in, um, which in this case would have probably proven for charges of a negligent murder or a negligent mm-hmm. homicide, which would be a manslaughter charge. In this case, though, they said that they they followed the rule because one of the 12 witnesses on their third interview heard one officer at one time say police, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. So that's first. The second, the second thing is this. The young man, her boyfriend, fired a shot. He admits that. Everybody admits that. The problem they have is that the bullet that hit the officer does not match the round that would come from Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, mm-hmm. and it's inconclusive that it came from his gun. So everybody knows that he was likely shot by another officer that night. Mm-hmm. Um, Although even if he wasn't, if someone shot, they would still be shooting back, even if the officer still, wasn't they would, was correct. A hint, they, would, right? they would still right. be. They would so still it's be kind shooting, of they would still be shooting back. That that's right. a legitimate point. Right. However, you the escalation of. I was shot, therefore firing is just not, that narrative is just not true. Mm-hmm. I guess the biggest tragedy is that of all the charges that were were brought, uh, the wanton disregard, I think, you know, in this case, he was charged for, I, if he would have hit Breonna Taylor, he would have not been charged. That's how patently absurd this case was. Mm-hmm. The officer, Brett Hankinson, was charged and arrested because he fired shots into the wall of the apartment next door. Right. If those bullets would have gone into Breonna Taylor, he would have been he would have not have faced any charges at all. He was literally charged because he missed. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, why, just think about why, how absurd that is. No, it's crazy. But why are the bullets that went into her now? What is the word wanton? Uh, that's a good question. Yo, know, I mean, because that's the same thing, right? I mean, it's not the same thing it, going to a person, but but, it, but but it's the same. A legal thing, right? That the bullets the same, went to a. It's the same intent or or, or shared intent. I, I agree mm-hmm. with you. I agree at bare minimum. I mean, I think you give a jury murder charges. No jury is going to come back with murder on no, that. But they would I don't come think back. So. With, they would come back with manslaughter. Truly. Mm-hmm. You go or, into the wrong house. You go in negligently. You go in just firing all willy nilly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's a it's a tragedy all around. Um, I re, I feel really bad for her. I family. feel bad for family. Yeah, I yeah. really do. Me too. I mean, it's just it's just horrible. It's a horrible situation. You said something last night also that I thought was true. These aren't the exact words, but you were basically pointing out how the system worked exactly the way it was meant to. It did. Right. Yeah, and that's my right? point. I was and like, that's, yeah. that's devastating, you know, to think that because you're right. It's set up in a certain way to work out like that as opposed to to protect this type. It's not set up to protect this type of accident. Let's call it an accident. You know, this type of accident. It's set up to protect the person doing the shooting, the police Correct. officer. It's, it's very right? hard. The system is set up to have no accountability, to exonerate mm-hmm. law enforcement, which it did. And I think that although the system's set up that way, I think that Daniel Cameron went out of his way, truly out of his way, to extend an olive branch to law enforcement in this case. Mm-hmm. Now, would they have been found guilty is a whole other thing, right? But to make a unilateral decision is like there there would have been no downside to him saying, I, you know, this needs to be heard by a jury. This is our mm-hmm. system. Um, but he didn't it's, even present that. It's been so hard to get information on this case. This is one of those things that, because this happened in March, I think. Correct. And I, for the, the for the life wasn't of fired me, until June. This and for crazy. the life of me, I couldn't get any information. Like, well, what, what's the sequence of events? Like, you know, what exactly happened? What does the place look like? You know, what is what is this inside of the apartment look like? Like, how small is this space? You know, what's the possibility of this happening? Like, are those high probabilities? Like, did they, 
Like when you say they not like, you know what I mean? These are important questions. Like when they did they knock down the front door? Did they bust through it? And then did they bust through a bedroom door also? Like were there two doors that were busted through? The best response to your questions. And I think where whenever you give your next public, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it's a monologue. It should ask Daniel Cameron to just make everything public, to be yeah. transparent. I mean, why, why, why not? I mean, he refuses to. But these are questions that everyone has. You're not asking yeah. questions make no sense. But I think the public demands that level of accountability. Give us the grand jury minutes. Open up the. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you've, it's over now. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you you have somebody charged with shooting into a wall. The wall got more justice, right? So. Yeah. That's that's where I stand on this. I, a direct ask. I'm asking people to make a direct ask for the attorney general of the Commonwealth of Kentucky to uh, make everything public. Even if it is made public, though, do you, can there ever be what maybe I can't speak for the family, but maybe what the family might be considered justice in this? Maybe probably not. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, there's still one more. Um, arrow in their quiver. I hate that term, but they still have the federal government, the FBI, still reviewing the actual issuance of the warrant. And mm. um, you know, they walked into a house looking for guns and money and drugs and stuff. And the man was a, a rightful gun owner. They ain't had no money and they didn't have no drugs. Mm-hmm. And his nine one one tape is heartbreaking. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I know. If you just listen to his nine one one tape, he's like, they just came in and started shooting my girlfriend. I don't know what's happening. Like, no, I don't know who this is. So for someone to yell police and then for the immediate reaction, I mean, that's what a jury would hear. And a jury would be like, nah, yeah. I don't believe you said police because all you got to do is listen to this tape. This man ain't say the police came knocking. This man just said y'all busted in his house. You would say on a 911 tape, the police just shot my wife. But also it's one thing to say that, that they said they said police, but isn't there an argument to be heard? Even if you said that, that doesn't mean the person heard it. Correct. And the whispering whis- police. That don't work, right? Like you'll be right. back. <laughs> <laughs> right. Police, open up. Police, open up. <laughs> and just ramming it. I mean, but like you. The ramming probably woke you up, not the police. Oh, and they only yeah. hit one time now. So it ain't like they hit by, like you, your door ain't built for those things. Right. It, I mean, at a start, you'll shoot too. I mean, he said, he said legitimately, and the man, the man is like, whatever. He's like, man, I got a criminal history, man. I sell dope, right? You know, I can mm-hmm. Well, he actually didn't have that much of a criminal history, but he was a part of, he might have been a part of some things going around. But, uh, you know, he was like, even he thought that her ex-boyfriend was the one beating down the door mm-hmm. um, and coming in. You know, right. that, that's why he shot. And they charged him. Uh, and where's the NRA, by the way, with someone standing their ground and protecting themselves with the gun in their own castle. What about castle rules and castle laws? You know? Man, the NRA is just... The NRA, NRA is in shambles. That black woman from New York has taken apart the NRA. They, they, they probably will not be heard from ever again. Yeah. Not resign. They still the problem with the NRA is they're still waiting on Barack Obama to take everybody's guns. That was not that was not a good strategy. <laughs> or maybe he took him and he's got him in a cache somewhere. Here. They want to get him back, right? I know that was such bullshit. Yeah. Let's look at this in a little bigger picture. What do you, what do you think, Bakari? Just from what you've seen, because and I know this is a tough uh, question to answer, but what do you think is the biggest problem, or let's say problems in that black police relationship. And I've always said that I think people misconstrue it as white police against black people. No, no, I, no. I find it, I always said it's blue versus black. You know? It is. It's a system. So even black people, mm-hmm. I mean, you got it. You got, all you got to do is look black at people in the system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look yeah. at Daniel Cameron. I mean, what are you talking? I mean, Daniel Cameron yeah. is a part of a system of white supremacy, right? I mean, it, you don't have to but, be white to be a part but, of, but there are people who aren't Daniel Cameron that are, that are not partisan in that way in, in many jurisdictions, and these things are but happening. Look, look at the officers who right? killed George Floyd. You got one Asian yeah. guy, you got one black guy. That's Did what I see? mean. Yeah, I, these... so yeah, you, you're, you are right. And I think I, I, we articulate those examples because I think that you're, you're absolutely correct. It's systemic. One of the things I want people to know, though, is that while I don't believe that they would have shot a white girl named Becky, you know, I don't think they would have run up in her house in the middle of the night, right, and shot at him twenty times. 
even if they did, though, Becky would have got justice, right? The accountability yeah. is the the accountability portion of this is what bothers me, and mm-hmm. they're they're not being accountability or justice for people of color. They're not being systems in place to prevent this from happening. Yeah. They're not adequate deterrences. You know, you can get fired from one jurisdiction like Brett Hankinson did. You know, Brett was fired from Lexington. He was fired mm-hmm. from the Lexington County, Lexington Police Force to go just go to Louisville and be a police officer. There's no database. Um, you know, there's no use of force or standardized use of force. And, you know, all of these officers, just think about this. Qualified immunity is so important, but most people don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Qualified immunity is that there is an officer, right? Right now, I'm sure, that has probably killed two people and mm-hmm. at least beat four people's ass, mm-hmm. right? Um, those six individuals, though, he didn't lose a pension. He didn't lose a dollar. And although it may not rise to the to the standard of criminality, probably did, but may not, the cities and the counties and the states pay those settlements, so there's no deterrent for him to go out and do it again. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you had to think about whether or not you were going to use your lose your pension when you beat somebody's ass, you may make a better decision. I think. Mm-hmm. So that's what qualified immunity is. It's the fact that they can hide behind their shield of immunity without any any reservation. How much of uh, a problem do you think the police unions are in this? Because I feel like they're not talked about as much as individual officers are talked about. And I think that kind of doesn't give us a proper view of where this is. When we talk about systemic problems, you know, the police unions in this are just horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, You have certain States that if you are involved in a deadly use of force, you know, you can't be interviewed for 30 days. Wow. That's crazy. Like you can't even be interviewed about, you could, Oh, just think about the ramifications of that. 30 days before you're interviewed. Correct. Like, because, of the, because of the police. Let me tell you guys what happened. I, 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 I. Just, <laughs> I'll talk to you in a month. Yeah, I see it. Let me get my thoughts together. I'll yeah. be back. That's so, crazy. Yeah, you would have had time to see all the evidence and be able yeah. to report your story. Yeah, I mean, so the police unions have done a lot of damage, a ton of damage. And many times, politically, they are one of the largest forces we have out there, one of the largest uh, uh, special interests that we have out there. Mm-hmm. I remember Mara was saying that uh, he thinks it's uh, more of a protect the police uh, thing out there than against blacks uh, that's, thing. I and- mean, that, that's... I, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, it's still a it's still a bad system. Like I like I tell people all the time, black folk don't want fewer police. We just want better police. Yeah, like absolutely. Want, yeah, we just want people who you know. And the first time we see police, we don't want it to be when a when there is a, a you know a notion of criminality. Why is the first time I meet the police who are patrolling my neighborhood when there's a crime? Like, I sh- I should know these people, right? Like they yeah. should be a part of the fabric of your community, which isn't the case. Are we getting mixed messages now? Because in the a lot of the defund the police uh, energy, I'll say some of the energy is very anti-police. And I understand where that emotion is coming from, you know. Yeah, uh, I just, but I just think, first of all, defund the police is is a fucking horrible marketing strategy. Right? <laughs> yes, it is. I've, I've made jokes about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really it's is. It's like, you should Any, actually, Anytime you have a slogan where you're constantly explaining what it is, means maybe it's not you should working. change the slogan. <laughs> it's <yeah>. not working. Because <laughs> then you have people like me who are like, that's not what they mean. Like, right. it's not like when you dial 911, the police aren't going to show up. Right. But, like Frosted um, Flakes used to be called Sugar Frosted Flakes, but they constantly had to say, it doesn't have that much sugar, you guys, even though it did. And so they just changed it to Frosted Flakes. It still has the same amount of sugar in it. But, but now people are just buying Frosted Flakes. Yeah, I didn't know that. But yeah, it was yeah, Sugar it, Frosted it, Flakes. Yeah. This is a this is probably a worse name than Sugar Frosted Flakes. The See, fun you the didn't know. That's my point. You did not know that. That's my point. I had no idea. <laughs> and my, I didn't know that, like, didn't they used to make Coca-Cola with real cocaine or something? Wasn't that Oh, when thing? it first started, yeah. Absolutely. Well, hence crazy. the Coca-Cola. Yeah. It's the pause that refreshes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I, my dad used to tell me that. I was like, what? That's, well, oh, man. those are the days, man. Yeah. Go get you uh, a Coca. You'd be, you really would be. You'd be yeah. high off life. Truly. No, exactly. but the friend of the police is a horrible, it's a horrible name. But, and, you know, when people say abolish the police, I'm like, that's, that's stupid. But well, there's abolitionists out there. That's a no, movement too. That is yeah. a movement too. But I think reimagining the way that we police 
most law enforcement officers, like, you know, they're like, man, 40% of the, 50% of the calls, I don't even need to be, they don't need a police officer. Right. They need right. a mental health professional or like, yeah. you know, I'm going out there and a wife and a husband are arguing with each other, man. They need a therapist. They don't need yeah. me. That's you know? a fact. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that there's so many other ways. There's so many, if you don't want kids committing crimes or trespassing and loitering, the, the police don't need, you know, drones or tanks. I mean, why don't you build a community center with that? You know, so right. those are, those are the things that we're talking about. Yeah. What do we, where do we put, this is a tough one for me. And I know you think about this too. When we think about the violence that's happening in our communities from criminals, you know, like here's the term that I hate, Bakari, black on black crime. That's not I hate a that. Thing. Well, I, well, I don't like the term because like, it's the, it's, <laughs> it's just too general. Do you think like black lawyers and doctors are just, just going around shooting people because it's black on black crime, you know, it's like, with the crime that people are talking about is criminal, is criminal uh, behavior that's going on, usually so, by gang members and that sort of thing. But it's not black behavior. People act like it's black behavior that's exactly. going on there. So right. They, what they, what, what they, it's, it's a deeply racist trope, right? Black on black crime is a myth. Let me tell you why it's a myth. Because people, we, we're deeply segregated in this country. Over 80, 90% of uh, the murders committed uh, against white people are committed by other white people. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we're deeply segregated. And, right. you know, you commit crimes against the group of people that you're with. Mm -hmm. What do you call a crime when a white person, what do, you, what do you call it when a white person shoots another white person? You call it crime, right? Mm -hmm. So when a black person shoots right. a black person, it's not called black on black crime. It's literally called crime. That's right. it. But they exactly. use black on black crime to make us hypertoxic, hyper-aggressive, hyper-violent mm -hmm. to say that may, we just have this greater propensity to kill one another. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not the case at all. We just live in segregated communities. So black folk are more likely to kill another black person, just like a white person is more likely to kill another white person. But it's just called crime. So let's stop making it out to be something that it isn't. And that's where we are. Also, you know, if people point to the numbers, well, the problem really goes back decades of some of these neighborhoods that have had these problems because of, you know, the nature of, of some of these concentrated urban areas where, you know, there's a lot of blight and these sort of things, you know, there, there's a lot of issues around why those numbers so are so high and why certain, a lot of these issues have been ignored for so long, Bakari, you know, and pe so much neglect that has uh, been in those areas. People forget that 911 is a joke was about the police not showing up. Not showing up. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's what 911 yeah. was a joke was about. That, you know, we always felt left out in this, you know, in the police coming to our aid equation, you know, which is kind of ironic that people are think that we want to get rid of the police presence. It's always been the other way around. These but, are the things but that you see. That but you know, the you know the hesitancy. Yeah. You have these people, you've seen the clips where people, I, I, I can't remember where it was. It was in California somewhere. And they call the uh, the store owner. They were looting and they, they call the police and the police come and arrest the black folk. Oh, I saw and, that. Yeah, that was great. And they were like, nah, yeah. we own the store. Like they yeah. were not the looters. We... We literally own the yes. store. And so, you know, they're, and I'm tired of people saying we just need more training because that's not the case. I mean, yeah. we, we, we need a lot. We need to reimagine the entire system. What is the biggest thing that needs to be reimagined? Because there's still going to be these types of interactions. Like, for instance, when someone says, well, we need to send a mental health thing, all that is good, but it doesn't change like what's going to happen with George Floyd, you know, he was, they were called in a counterfeiting thing that the police are coming for that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, it was a fake $20 and, bill. I know. I saw like, yeah, exactly. Like that's not going to be a mental health official. No, I, you know? I think that you, I think that you have to, there, there are a few things. I think that you have to uh, ban no, not warrants. I think you have to ban chokeholds. I think mm -hmm. that you have to limit qualified immunity. I think that you have to have a national um, database, standardized database for use of force. So people mm -hmm. know, what law enforcement officers are taught and how they're taught to interact with us. And you need a, a national database for misconduct. So if you commit a crime or you're a bad apple in one district, you can't go be in a whole another bad apple in another mm -hmm. district or city. So those are just some concrete things we can do. The The weird part about it is like um, Eric Gardner was choked to death, right? Mm -hmm. And they couldn't even bring federal charges against him. And the chokehold in New York City has been banned since like 1991, 92. Right. And so when you think about the fact they're like, we know we have it banned, but the accountability part is so flawed. 
Exactly. You know, and, um, oh God, this just seems like a, a circular type of thing too. Yeah. So Don't worry. We'll be so, having the same discussion in like three I months. We'll know. be like, did we just talk about this? It's so frustrating. How long do you think the protests are going to continue? Do you think they're going to continue through the election? Do you see that? Oh, yeah. Do, do you feel any protest fatigue out there by people at all? Or what, what do you think from a media perspective? So is there, is there, fatigue yeah i mean there's always fatigue because people have other shit going on in their lives right mm-hmm. so they're like we're trying to make it through you know i was all black lives matter but i got other stuff going on <laughs> right. the montgomery I but was now football's to... back i can't be you know. <laughs> i know as you hear my four and a half pound yorkie going crazy in the background yeah. uh the montgomery bus boycott i was trying to figure out how many days it lasted yeah is that it lasted a while. That that was during the winter too, and that was really tough on people. That Montgomery but the Montgomery bus, bus boycott it, it literally lasted yeah. over three hundred and sixty five days. So yeah. people are like, are we done protesting? No, but it's like every three months they shoot somebody else. So like, what do we? There, do you know how many? Do you know how many people have been killed by law enforcement in the last three hundred and sixty five days? I don't even want to guess. One thousand and ten. One thousand and ten people have been killed by mm-hmm. law enforcement, and Is we there know a that distinction between the nature of those killings where they're, they're like. They're, like, because a lot of times we say against unarmed people, but what are, yeah, are, are, yeah. are do some of them belong dead? The answer to that is probably yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so that all of those are not bad shots. Okay, but by comparison to other countries, I mean we're talking about. I mean, there's a there we have fundamental issues in our country. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, not to not to make light of it, but we have a lot of bad people in this country. Yeah, no, I'm like, like some of, do it. Do all of them belong? Do they all belong to be D E D dead? As they say, yes, some of them are. But what we do know is that that's a whole hell of a lot of people that law enforcement have killed. That means uh-huh. we have to we have a drug problem in this country. We got too many guns on the streets. How many country. people are killed by criminals? I don't know. That's a good question. Washington yeah, Post doesn't give you that. That us. Yeah. Well, how many murders have we had? I mean, we probably had more than that yeah. in Chicago. Where are you? Are you in Chicago now? No, no, I'm in Los Angeles, Pasadena. Oh, great! My family's from Chicago. They're from Evanston. I can tell by how how good you look right now. Your skin looks really good. I can tell you <laughs> well, that. You're, you're in I, LA. I don't know about that. We've had all these fires here and everything, so we haven't had much sun lately. <laughs> but my family's from Chicago. I'm very much aware of the violence that's happening in Chicago. My parents grew up there. You know, that city has always been segregated, by the way. That yes. era. There's always been issues there, you know. Um, oh, about how many actual and homicides? How many, how many actual people? homicides? I was like, I yeah. don't know the answer to that. That's a, that's, a, that's a really good question. But I do know that law enforcement has killed uh, two times more black individuals in the last decade, which is the trend, than white individuals. And three and a half, black men are three and a half times more likely to be killed by law enforcement than white men. Mm. What's going on, Bakari? Uh, our country's so divided right now in so many ways. And from a media perspective, is it fr- like to me when I look at this, because I, I, I try to get information from as many different places as I can. And for me, part of it is not so much that it's to be informed. Part of it is, but I want to see how people are shaping narratives, you know, and because it kind of is what I do is I comment on that type of thing as well, you know. You but, shape uh, narr- do you comment on people shaping narratives or do you shape narratives? Well, I guess arguably you could say both, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I think I did more of the commenting on it before, I guess I should say, you know. But it's it's shocking to me how different the narratives are in this country. Not just that people are divided, but the narratives are so different. So what I did was I, when I taught at the University of Chicago, I gave my students, I taught one semester there in uh, David Axelrod's Institute of Politics. Mm-hmm. I gave my students an assignment which is one of the best assignments I've ever, ever taken part of. Mm-hmm. For one week, they had to watch Fox and Friends. Yeah. The next week, they had to watch CNN New Day. And the next week, they had to watch Morning Joe. Yeah. You That's know, great. I, call, I love that. I, I love it already. Yeah. I, I call, I call uh, the, you know, my students at the University of Chicago, my Range Rover babies. When they watched Fox and Friends, they were like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? You know, to 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 use a very Negro colloquialism, yes. where they do that at? That's that's basically what they were, what they were uh, saying. We got some preciousness coming on screen. I know. Say hey, Uncle Larry. Oh, look at that one. This is Stokely. Hey, St- oh, look at that. That is some activist, uh, some activist blood in there. How you doing, Stokely? Aren't you cute? Say hello. For you those of you that hey. can't see, there's the cutest little kid with the pacifier in his mouth. 
who has to get on daddy's lap right now because that's how it works. That's how it works. They don't care. He likes the camera. I don't know where he got that from. He's very. How old is he? Two. Yeah, they're 22 months. Ah, As As he slaps daddy and runs away. I think that was a pretty good guess. 21 months, 21 months. Yeah. As my wife is yelling at me in the background. Yes, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very cute kids, but we were talking about, yeah, how they watch Fox and Friends. Oh, they were like, they were like, what are you doing at it? So it, it's a good social experiment. Everybody needs yeah. to. I, I oh, mean, I every, think so too. I agree with that completely. A lot of, but Fox and Friends is special TV, man. I don't yeah. know what they're talking about. I watch it every now and then. It's just, yeah. the narratives, as you say, are so. Yeah. It's completely different. It's completely different, Bakari. And it's shocking how different it is. And both of the, all those experiences for the people who are in it are completely authentic. Are they, though? Yes. No, this is, I have this argument with my liberal friends all the time, you know. I'm like, guys, you have to take people for what they, for for their own experiences being authentic for them. Yeah. It is. They're not disingenuous. You have bullshit hypocritical people on both sides, but the majority of people, like people would tell me, Larry, how come people voted for Bush and it's against their interests? I said, because they like him. That's who they wanted to vote for. They weren't tricked into it. That's true. You think they were tricked into that? No. It was, it was that's, so... It, that's exactly who they wanted to vote we for. We just did a clip of a rally in Nevada um, with Donald Trump and... There was a black guy going to a Trump rally. He said, I want to be here. They were like, you're not concerned about not having a mask on? He was like, (laughs) what? No. This is outside in the sun, and we all know the sun kills the virus. I said, oh, he's he. they all about to have COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's a a sad commentary, but that's... Yeah. I think your network uh, last night did the uh, story where they showed the guy who had seen the clip that was the fake clip that I got fooled by (laughs) actually first, too where it was supposed to be Biden, who was asleep right. in the interview, but yeah. it was Harry Belafonte. But and actually, once I saw it, I kind of remembered, you know, that going around when it initially Harry happened. Belafonte, Harry, Harry Belafonte felt completely asleep. Yes, exactly, which is awesome. He's the king. He can sleep when he wants to. <laughs> but uh, this guy, even after having seen the actual thing, just said, well, it's probably something he would have done anyway. It didn't make a difference. <laughs> it did not make a difference. You know, the, the entrenchment that people had. And this truly is a both sides thing. It truly is, you know. Yeah, it is. You know, and they play it, by a different set of rules. They they are of more. Of course they do. Because we're are, different sides. Yeah. Yeah. But they but they I don't even know if they got rules. Democrats are just such bedwetters and just <laughs> lack the courage <laughs> and always wanna they like it's funny, like on the courts, we're like, uh-huh. just two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, you know, back in 2016, you said this. They don't care, right? No, I, they, I talked about this want, in my opening last night. You know, I talked about that power. exact thing. They just want oh, power. completely. They don't Absolutely. care. Absolutely. Like, they, what, are we, what are we talking about? And everybody's like, everybody wants to ask me, Bakari, what, ha- what do we do if he doesn't leave? I'm like, that's the wrong question. Like, don't you know you have to beat him before he even has to consider leaving? That's exactly leaving? right. People are focusing on the wrong issue. What do you mean if he doesn't leave? People said this last time. Will Trump accept the election results? It's like, motherfucker, will you accept the election results <laughs> if people vote for him? That's a tougher question. Will that you accept tough. the election what you, results? What are you, what are you going to do when you lose the Electoral College, right? So, as, as Sean Connery said, what are you prepared to do? <laughs> 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 I mean, that... That is a more uh, interesting question, you know. Yeah, Democrats are we, we are funny creatures because we ask, we always are asking the wrong questions at the oh, wrong time. At the wrong time, I agree with that. Uh, here's here's an interesting question. I haven't seen this question asked too much, but I get. I think it's kind of we're in an interesting moment right now. Uh, some of it, it's a larger question about. Uh, I thought of it last night when they had Coleman on that. There is a there is a youth black conservative movement that's kind of out there. Some of it is represented by uh, extreme voices like Candace Owens, who's kind of her own type of thing. Yeah. But some of it is is a little more thoughtful and is actually a little more grounded in just, let's say, uh, traditional conservative philosophy yeah. more than more than Trumpism. I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt right now, you know. No, there are but, some. I mean, I have a good friend, Sir Michael Singleton, who's like that. He's, you know, yeah. uh, you, know you, have a, you have a few people who... Even Jerron, um, Jerron Smith, who actually is the black Republican in the Trump White House, they are more just 
black K. Cole James. They're just black conservatives. They're not right. Right. They don't ascribe to the racism that Trump brings to the party. Sure, exactly. But howsoever, there's another thing that's going on on uh, besides that. Okay, because that's been around for a while. It just sometimes it gets more attention or less. Like there's always been that lane, right? Right. But Trump, I think, is actually he's pulling in in some blacks and it's mainly black men in a completely different lane. And I'm trying to figure this out. Like, uh, and he's actually trying to make a, uh, he, he released something today, I think as his kind of carrot to, to black people or whatever. The black, the black platinum, the platinum plan. That's what <laughs> it's like. He's, like, like he's going to give us escalades or something like that. No, I know? was like, I was like, yeah. so how many dances when I go to the back with this plan? How many, how many, da- how many songs nice. do I get with this? I oh, was like, I know exactly the reference. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do I get a bo- do I get a bottle right. with sparklers? I mean, what do yeah. I, what do I, what does do going I to the, does going to the polls take out a different meaning? <laughs> I know, like, take out a different meaning. By the sure. way, by the way, have you seen, since we're on a random tangent, have you seen Take Your Booty to the Polls? I saw that. I just saw that yesterday. That's fantastic. It was one of it was one of the best best PSAs I've ever seen, and somebody was like, "Man, can't believe the Democrats are doing this." I was like, "We're not that creative." This was this was <laughs> this was Atlanta. This was this was. I wish Democrats were doing ads that right. people would actually talk about. But hey, uh, canvassing were, is canvassing, you know. Yeah, you're right. Now you you were talking <laughs> you, about you can't you, spell canvas without ass. Is what I always like to say. Well, I, I've never heard that one, but that, that's that, that, it, it, it's, it's accurate. You were you were talking about black conservatism and yes. and um, he's making a direct ploy for black men, but yes, he doesn't. He but is. he doesn't. He doesn't want black men to vote for him. Like it's it's. It's a well, I think he thing. does. No, no, no. I think he wants black men to vote no, for I him. No, I think I think it's more of a suppression tool. So what he wants to do is have I, he doesn't in, want liberal black men to vote. I think he want I think he wants people to think that this is a lesser of two evils. So, and one of the things I remind my Democrats is that this isn't just an election between Trump and Biden. This is Trump, Biden, and the couch, right? And the couch is going to get a whole hell of a lot of votes. Yeah. And Donald Trump will take everybody who doesn't participate in the process as a vote for him. But also, let's remember who we're dealing with here. This man is the narcissist of narcissists. He absolutely wants black votes. Are you kidding me? He wants wants that to fill his cup and have it overflow with so he can brag about it. But the people who are running his campaign know that the reason they're doing this is to cause that level of chaos and confusion. But they can okay. only do it with one group of people. And that's I would say men. that is a very cynical way of looking at it. I, I I do think that he feels he can make an inroad here. And I think it's something to be reckoned with. Like oh, what, I agree with that. Like, because here's, let me put it from this standpoint, because there are people who aren't, I call them not high information. And, but when I mean high information voter, I mean, they're, they're too busy working. They're taking care of their family, taking yeah. care of the kids. They hear about things, but they're not really political people. They, they much rather when they watch television, they want an escape from all that crap. Right. And I think there are people like this. I don't want to say in the middle, cause that's not the proper way to describe them. It's more like they're sometimes they're gettable. If someone, if they feel like someone is speaking to them directly and is offering them a practical way to improve their lives. Let's put it in those I mean, words. And you, I mean, you, you right? are saying something that I've been saying to the Biden campaign yes. forever, especially with black men. You have to right. treat black men like a swing voter. Thank for you. Far too, for far too long, we have yes. not messaged to black men. We That's haven't listened exactly right. to black men. And so what Donald Trump did in 2016, he got he got 13% of black men to vote for him. That's extremely high. I don't think that'll happen again. Absolutely, it's, it's high. But, but it's high. Like yes. you got to realize that only 4% of black women voted for Donald Trump. Like right. those numbers are ridiculously insane, yeah. um, but they he spoke to him, he messaged to him. Yes. Um, the more important number, though, to my point that I was trying to make earlier, is that there were four point four million people who voted for Barack Obama in two thousand and twelve who didn't mm-hmm. vote for Hillary Clinton in twenty sixteen. Right. Of those four point four million people, over one third were black. So you're talking about one point six million people who were black who didn't show up. Yeah. The overwhelming majority are men, right? And so we've been doing shop talks, man. I did an event with. Um, Jermaine Dupree and Terrence mm-hmm. Jay recently did an event with G- with Young Jeezy. People are trying to make these overtures, mm-hmm. particularly to black men, because at the end of the day, black and brown men, Hispanic men as well, are going to be the reason of whoever wins this election. Mm-hmm. I feel personally, and I don't think this is said out there, as much as the talk about like criminal justice reform, prison reform, those things are important. I think there's an, an overtalk on those things for 
for young black men who are enterprising. They want ways to construct their lives. They it's not that they you don't are, care. I mean, like, are you talking Bakari, to any politicians about this? Because this is like you're you're you're, you're Bakari, like everything you're saying smart, is so accurate. Young, on the move black men in this world who want to construct their lives. And it's not that they don't have compassion for these issues, but they feel left out when, when people talk about black, they talk about us in terms of prison. And they're like, I'm sorry, but black people are not just you mean prisoners. You are preaching you know? to the choir. I mean, we want to know how we're gonna make money in this economy. Exactly. And that's that's that. That thing that Trump has had before he became political that was appealing to that energy. I'm talking about energy. I'm not talking about identity here. I'm just talking no, about. I'm, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I've I've always told people that yeah, having a criminal justice plan is cool, but don't that's that ain't all you need when you talk to black folk. Thank right? you. We are trying to right. we are trying to increase our plight, uh, have some economic mobility in this country, yes. send our kids to college, raise a family. Right. Um, and this is something that Joe Biden is. As my dog goes crazy again, this is so. Jo- this is something that Joe Biden is. My wife be having everybody come over to the house in the, in the middle of the day. <laughs> oh, you have a, oh, You're gonna be on a show. This is great though. And, uh, we get a. But, we get but, a whole no, this is what Joe Biden. This is, this is what Joe yeah. Biden is talking about. As my twins are going crazy, my dog's going yeah, crazy. That's okay. Everybody wants to know, and everybody wants to talk about uh, criminal justice when we should yes. be also talking about black economic mobility. Correct, and the thing that is always like both of those are important, and the. The thing that is always talked about, and this is kind of a progressive thing too, and the thing is progressives aren't wrong to focus on these things. I just think the picture needs to be bigger. For instance, the minimum wage. The minimum wage to me is a focus on social stability, whereas we should also talk about empowerment issues, which focus on social mobility, you know, and, and there's not enough talk about that. It's like, yes, of course, People who are minimum wage, of course, we want them to have a living wage. But guys, we need social fucking mobility in this country because blacks have been left out of that conversation for far too long. And I that's mean, we haven't create, had the opportunity to create yes, wealth. I mean, we haven't been able to participate in it properly. That, it's a wealth conversation and people Correct. don't even want to have those conversations with us. Now, other demographics right. can have those conversations. but Exactly. But Hispanic Americans and Black Americans, in particular Black Americans, don't, don't ever take part in this discussion about wealth. We, we always have to... Yeah. We always had to fight and scream and scratch just to be. And a this part. is that lane I'm talking about. That's a growing lane with young well, people. Well, there is I a think. unique yeah. opportunity. There is a yeah. unique opportunity through COVID, which is weird to say, but I the know. relief that will come, um, and the way that we will attempt to economically empower people of color who've been the most devastated by COVID, there yeah. is an opportunity to participate, in, and hopefully there'll be a direct infusion of capital into our communities. Yeah, we ho- hope so. Because, like I said. All of those issues are important, but I hate when we leave out that one, you know. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, why are we leaving that out? Because I think it's easier for, this is a racial uh, statement I'm going to make, but I'll just say, I just think it's easier for white people to talk about black people in those terms. You know, I'm sorry, because I just think it's easier to feel sorry easier to feel sorry for us when you're talking about that you know and it's all but it's always like all right man just make sure they can not 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 all of them go to jail <laughs> yeah. like wait a minute there's a lot more there's a lot more that we want to talk about let's talk about you and i competing for the same jobs how about exactly. that like, nah. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. nah we don't want to talk about that did you bring marijuana with you today sir like yeah <laughs> exactly all right uh i really appreciate you being here for i know you got your hands full on the week in here, but I do have one more question for you. Sure, sure. And guys, really be be sure to catch Bakari's podcast, uh, the Bakari Sellers podcast. I mean, he is just one of the smartest guys out there. Um, just really, I just really enjoy uh, just seeing you on CNN as well. Who, who's going to win? What's your prediction? Well, the fundamentals are a little bit different than they were in 2016. You know, in 2016, we felt comfortable about Hillary Clinton winning. Um, but even that race was a lot closer than this one is. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe is eight, 10 points nationally, which puts him in a good, comfortable position to win. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that he may lose Florida. Um, mm-hmm. Florida's going to be really close. North Carolina's drifting away from um, Democrats. But Arizona still looks good, which you don't need. Um, but the states that really matter in this are Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, and he looks extremely strong. I mean, if I if the he needs the election to happen sooner rather than later, and Joe, I mean Joe Biden has to give us four and a half strong hours. That's a lot. Um, Are you talking about the debates? The debates, yeah. 
Yeah, which is coming up Tuesday. It'll be interesting to see how we feel after that. I don't um, know if debates, I mean, you know, debates usually never move the needle, but mm-hmm. we're about to have like two septuagenarian white men chase each other around the stage. I mean, what, yeah. Uh, I mean, what <laughs> what do you want to see other than that or a grumpy old men on rerun on AMC? Like, I don't I know. know. It should be a cage match at this point, you know. Uh, They're old. <laughs> I know. It's so true. But so is America. <laughs> uh, actually, America's kind of young, actually, when you think about countries. Um, all right, Bakari, really appreciate you uh, coming on the pod today on a Saturday, sharing your kids and your dog and your family and your house. You got it all. You got it all. Shout out to your whole team, Jonathan and Brandon Thanks. and Kaya and everybody else who are and part of And tell Wolf that I love him, that I'm sorry about that joke. I will mm. be sending him a note. He, he probably doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't believe it. No, um, he won't tell you. You should invite him on your show. Uh, that would be that would be a great invite. You say that. I don't think it will. But uh, shout out to you, Will Blitzer. Keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're great. <laughs> Thank you for having me, brother. Anytime you need anything from Bakari Sellers, you've been a great friend to me. I'm here for you. Oh, thanks, Bakari. Right, Bakari man. Sellers, everybody. And remember uh, remember to get his book. It's still out there. What was the name? My Vanishing Country. My Vanishing Country. Okay. You guys get that book. Okay. Thanks, Bakari. Thank you. Thank you.